Coolia.ma is a multi-award winning marketing automation and personalization platform that improves your client acquisition, conversion and retention rates. Coolia makes your agency more efficient through automating your comms and prospecting activity and provides you with a wealth of additional chargeable client services. To find out more, head over to coolia.ma. This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. Clodagh Higgins consults and coaches owners of digital marketing and sales agencies on how to run a successful and profitable business. She was consulting with HubSpot super early pre-IPO when they just had 45 employees. By the way, they now have 700 employees at the company. Working on the HubSpot partner program with Pete Caputa, she was exposed to hundreds of agencies. So she has a unique inside view into what the best agencies do that the others don't. She's also an EOS advocator, a published author, and a sought-after speaker. She knows more about the day-to-day stresses of running an agency than most people do. She says, growing an agency today is like rowing a boat, but at the same time, you're building a bigger boat and you're hiring a crew uh, while you're sailing towards your destination. So pretty challenging. Uh, She just has the most infectious energy. She's so positive and happy. I just love speaking to her every time I do. I think that'll come across in the interview. If you are remotely interested in hiring, she's been around the block a few times, so she knows how to find and keep rock star employees. You know, she gives you the playbook to take away that pain that most agencies have in that area. If you're interested in growing a profitable agency, in HubSpot, culture, any of those things, then you will find this conversation to be just absolutely fascinating. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Clodagh Higgins. Cloda Higgins is an ex-Hubspotter, now agency coach and consultant that has owned her own digital agency for eight years in Sydney and Dublin. She has worked with over 500 agencies, helping them grow and scale their businesses. She is the author of Happy and Healthy Digital Agency and hosts a weekly podcast interviewing agency owners about the highs and lows of running a professional service business called Agency Life. Cloda Higgins Welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Nathan, absolutely delighted to be here from <laughs> one podcaster to another. Claudia. <laughs> to be the guest. <laughs> right, exactly. And then I'm going to be a guest on, on your podcast, which I'm, right. I'm really nervous about, to be honest, yeah. because I haven't done that before. I'm super Don't nervous. Uh, but I'm sure I'm... Nathan, we've met. I've been over we to have. All good. We have met. And to be honest, I, like we, we were talking about this just off air a moment ago, but you seem to be one of the happiest. Every time I speak to you, Clodagh, you're in such a good mood and you're so happy and content. And it's so infectious to speak to you. I, I love speaking to you every time that I do. Thank you. Yes, I do. I do get some people say that to me. It's mm. like my energy or something mm. about, but I, I'm just like, honestly, I'm doing what I love. Mm. <laughs> I'm really happy and If I'm doing too many things, I cut them back. And if I'm not doing enough, I add them in. (laughs) Sounds quite sensible. (laughs) Sensible and straightforward. Well, let's let's start at the beginning of your career because you started working for Dell in 1995. And with them, you moved to the UK and then you moved to Australia for 12 years. What did you do there for 12 years and why did you ever come back? Yeah, I I was really lucky when Dell came to Ireland because, you know, Ireland's great at bringing companies to this country Mm -hmm. for for us to work in. And in 95, it was hardware and now it's software with Mm -hmm. uh, Twitter and um, all like Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, Yeah, I just I knew I don't know. I think I always had this thing about Australia in my head. And if I was to analyze it, I believe it's been watching lots of Skippy. The bush kangaroo. Okay, yeah. In-depth research. Yeah, that that and home and away as a right. teenager. As a teenager in the west of Ireland who would right. have to wear 40 layers of clothes to get to and from school. And then watching these kids, sure. you know, see a girl's wearing a right. dress. Right, right. 
to school. And right. I was like, that's an interesting concept. That's novel. <laughs> and I just had it in my head, but uh, I, I, I went to the UK first because I was 24, I think, when I wanted to go, and I felt I was a little bit too young. Right. I felt that I'd never le- lived outside of Ireland. So I went to the UK for a, a trial run and was there for two years with Dell. I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan of finding companies that you like and work well with and get them to fly you around the world and, um, you know, have a good time. I call it executive backpacking. And <laughs> that The same thing happened with Australia. I put my hand up. I said, I want to go down there. And I went down and sold in an office where it was half Irish, half Texan and a splattering of Australians. Mm. And had a really good time there. But then I, I every now and again, I'd sit down and I go, where do I want to go in my career? And I actually sat down and drew a map of I wanted to be on the road. I wanted to work in consumer electronics. I wanted a company car. Mm. Uh, and I pro- applied to a job at Sony. And I moved over to Sony for six years selling and selling consumer electronics. Um, a very interesting time when the iPod had launched. Okay. And Sony was hanging on to Walkman. Mm. Um, they couldn't get their heads around this, what they were calling a flash in the pan. Sure. From so I had a great time there. And then, um, yeah, in 2008, I sort of had this feeling that I wanted to work for myself. And I had been the first person in my group, peer group, to go on LinkedIn, the first person to embrace Facebook. Mm. Um, I'm a real pioneer when it does that. I will. I have TikTok on my phone. And oh, I've you thrown, do? I've thrown a few videos up there. I don't nice. care. If I'm 46. <laughs> Love it. Love it. I'm, I'm a real embracer of the technology. Yeah. Um, I watch and then I figure it out. And that's when I started uh, uh, working in the online marketing digital consulting space. Great. Fantastic. So in 2008, you then set up your own digital consultancy agency and that's where that's where you started discovering inbound is that when you drank uh, yeah. your, that is that when you became a hubspot convert and, and drank yeah. the orange kool-aid yeah i know we're, we're, ter- we're hilarious aren't we the kool-aid drinkers right um yeah because i had been looking for information to give my clients and uh, when i searched online and read about inbound at a time when it was very purist it was all about you know stop spending money on ads Mm. it was building blogs and organic traffic so I used a lot of the methodology when I was consulting to my clients and I never became a partner at that time and you know I was the typical solopreneur but I just it made sense and I really like the methodology I really like the fact that they put so much free information out there and I would use that and implement it for my clients that I was uh, working with in Australia at that time. And and you were working at HubSpot for quite some time. You you worked with over 500 agencies, probably at the peak of HubSpot's craze, at the height of their power, mm-hmm. um, when it just seemed as though, you know, they had this amazing energy about them. What was it like working in a company that seemed to be on the tip of everyone's lips and just had this amazing sort of, buzz and energy about them yeah like I again after the being in Australia for coming up to like 12 years I was starting to come to the realization that I've been in a technology industry I was looking at what was going on at home and I could see back in in Dublin that Facebook Google LinkedIn Twitter HubSpot was everyone was opening up in Dublin mm-hmm. and Australia is not known for its technology slant you know it's all mining it's real estate they've got a different kind of industry down there and I was coming up to 40 I was missing my family and I just sat down and kind of made the decision I'll come home and I'll see what happens and I started consulting again I just closed the agency down in Sydney and opened up like a solopreneur in um, Dublin and started to do a little bit of work and then it was at that time that HubSpot approached me and I approached them. It was kind of a mutual thing. They knew about me and they asked if I'd come in to consult to them. So I was, at, be a consultant with them, sorry. And I was employee number 45 in. Oh, wow. Yeah, in Dublin. Super early. They were super early and it was pre-IPO and it was, and then they were um, trialing particular jobs, jobs that they hadn't um, been executing in 
at Boston. They were now trialing in Dublin. And there's 700 employees there right now. I, I do visit them occasionally and it does spin me out. <laughs> but it was a really, really interesting time to be there as we were trialing new roles. I was also given um, the, the Australian book of business because of my Australian contacts. But that actually meant that I was up at four in the morning <laughs> nice. doing, doing calls with you agents. You must have loved that. I actually, it's kind of funny when you live in Australia, you are up early, hmm. so that we don't have the daylight sailing savings and anything like that. So I would actually have been up and have done my exercise and had breakfast before seven. So wow. <laughs> I was used to that, but um, obviously in the darkness, it did get a little bit quite different. <laughs> Um, but I managed it and we had a good time. We grew the agency, myself and a sales guy, Mads mm. Nielsen, who's just awesome. We grew 30 agencies to 150 agencies. Mm. And then they opened the HubSpot Sydney office and hired somebody on the ground. And I handed over the book of business to them. And that's that's when a new role came up for being a program manager and to develop the partner program with Pete Caputa um, at the time, who was actually still there. He's in Databox now. And we had this yeah. team going that we were actually going to work with the agencies to help them advance their business knowledge. Makes makes complete sense. So at the time, you were working with roughly around 500 agencies around the world, helping them resell yeah. the software that they bought for themselves and for their clients. But during the course of those conversations, you found that the the conversations moved from the basics of setting HubSpot and implementing HubSpot to questions around their own profitability, their own yeah. bottom line, their culture, hiring issues. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So the role that I had was, you know, somebody would sell them the software, the channel mm -hmm. account manager, and then they were handed over to me, the channel consultant, to help them get their first marketing campaign out to then if they get a, bring a client on to do the, the marketing and set up um, HubSpot for their client. And that was a really easy conversation to keep going. And I'd speak to them weekly, fortnightly, monthly. And then after six months, it was like, yeah, we've got this. You know, agencies, really smart people. They know about the software. And then they started to ask me questions about hiring and, you know, am I profitable? And, um, you know, when is the right time to bring in the next person? How do I forecast? What's my sales process? And it just got a lot bigger and deeper. Mm. I, I looked around the HubSpot ecosystem and found a lady called Marissa Smith, who um, runs a, as an agency called the Whole Brain Group. Right. She had implemented EOS in her business and she was talking to agencies about how EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system, uh, the starting point is a book called Traction by Gina Wickman. Mm -hmm. It had transformed her business. And Wait, I, when was this? She, I would have first learned about her teachings, I'm going to say maybe 2014, 2015. Wow. Okay, mm. that's when you started learning about EOS and traction. Yeah. That's when I started learning, and really I really interesting. Book. Yeah, I read the book and I went, "Oh, this is really, really cool stuff." And huh. it was very, it was kind of enlightening because I built the business in Sydney the hard way, and then you know came home and started it again. And I really, you know, to be honest, it made me emotional because I realized that I hadn't had a blueprint for building the business. I just had done a kind of hacking around, right? <laughs> Trial, I, trial and error. Hmm, lot yeah. of trial and error. And uh, I had now a plan uh, mm. to build any business. Mm -hmm. And um, I made friends with Marissa. Actually, Marissa and I had a podcast for a short amount of time mm -hmm. called Agency Backstage Pass. Mm -hmm. There are still episodes up there. There's 10 of them. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we were very close friends. And I spent time with Marissa and she showed me how she was running her business on these templates with these processes. Everyone had a number. And I was fascinated by it, absolutely fascinated by it. Really interesting, really. I had no idea that you were aware of uh, traction and EOS that early. I, I've, I've only come to it relatively recently myself, and I think it's relatively new. I had no idea that you were aware of it that, that early. That's quite fascinating. We'll come back to that in a moment, because I know that's a core part of what you uh, help agencies with now. And... Um, uh, and it, it's something that I'm really fascinated by. But 
Talking about HubSpot, because in the early days, it seemed as though HubSpot was quite squarely focused on agencies and helping them grow. And I was actually fortunate enough to listen to a lot of Pete Caputo's work in the early days because I was working in an agency in Birmingham where Pete Caputo was the sort of, he was the guy that I was, that was teaching agencies sort of how to sell in the inbound way and how to sell consultatively, really, how to sell any uh, uh, sort of, uh, sort of product or service consultatively. But it seems as though HubSpot's focus has changed in recent months. Is that fair? Um, It it could be, yeah. I I don't have a lot of inside um, sort of knowledge on that. But from the outside looking in, it it does look like, if you think about it, there's three and a half thousand digital agencies in the HubSpot ecosystem, I think, right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you look at the number of tiered, um, it I think that's around the 250 mark. So tiered being that they have sold numerous licenses and are servicing numerous licenses to keep them in their tier program. So if you do the numbers on that, I I mean, if you look around the whole world, and I think they said 50% of their HubSpot licenses are going through the channel. Um, I remember that number Mm -hmm. from the partner day so with that num- with those numbers that means 250 or so agencies hmm. are looking after really yeah it's something it's like i'd have to double check it but mm. i remember it being and, and you'll see these from if you look at inbound.com and mm-hmm. you look at the slides um but i i think that can be that it, it, it is very difficult to control what happens in an agency you know, you can control, you, if you have a salesperson in HubSpot, you can see what time they're in, you can see what time they log on, you can see how many calls they make, mm-hmm. their activity, uh, you can track everything. But when you extend out your sales process to a channel, to an agency, right? no two agencies are the same. Yeah, A lot of agency owners are still in the sales process and they are can have quite a lot of difficulty keeping a very rigorous sales process going. Hmm. I.e. some days they'll come in and there's a fire to put out and they will not make 50 calls. Whereas a salesperson sitting inside in HubSpot hmm. who needs to hit their target mm-hmm. and has their manager That's what there, they're doing all day. They have nothing else to do. They're sure. not running an agency. They're sure. only selling. Sure. And I think that's been a big struggle for um the, the channel partner program because yes they want agencies to be successful and they want them to sell and they want them to have the languages and they want them to be in Paris and do uh, integrations and I think the services can work really well but sometimes it's getting that sales process religiously done every day when running an agency is <laughs> a complicated business is it, is it? It is. It really is. And so sometimes the sales, you know, if the agency owner is the salesperson and his, mm. he could have the best intentions or she could have the best intentions of, mm. I'm going to bang out those sales calls today, but they go in and someone resigns. Mm. They have yeah. to go into the What do you do then? Right, exactly. Yeah, so. And that's been the criticism actually of HubSpot in that they've never actually run an agency before. So they don't know the challenges of That's growing right. and running a, a professional services businesses. You know, they're a software business that they're at, an at the end of the day. Software business on mm. the stock exchange. And their number, it is all about their numbers. Their numbers. It's, it's they need to report to the shareholders. They need to, they, they have to hit numbers in and, and, that, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And they need to sell software and keep the, and the software needs to stay with the client. Mm that's it you go into an agency it's just there's so many things yeah yeah a million and one things now and and let's talk a little bit about those things a little bit later i mean i don't want to sort of totally bash hubspot because they've definitely added amazing and make what an amazing company what an amazing story look what they've built yeah um two guys two just two guys Uh, especially in the SME space, you know, they've changed the way businesses and marketers think about marketing That's in, right. in this modern Sales world. So, alignment, incredible. Yeah. I would never, ever, ever, if 
bash at all. I've had a great time with them. I love yeah. everyone there. I love the community. Uh, it's just a challenge to, yeah. to 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 run the relationships on the outside, and and they know that they're trying to address them all the time. You know, there's a Facebook group on um, for HubSpot agency partners, mm-hmm. and there's every day there's a new challenge that an agency is trying to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there constantly will be. Well, let's talk about those some of those challenges those agency challenges in your book you offer an easy to follow process which guides agency owners to the next level what are some of the problems that you're seeing agencies that uh contact you or that you work with typically struggle with yeah the it it was like this the the first thing i realized when i stepped out of hubspot and was talking and helping agencies in their business the first thing that happens is generally an agency owner starts the business because they didn't like working in a corporate job. Hmm. They wanted to work for themselves and they wanted to work on their, under their own rules. And they can do that for a while. They can do a bit of consulting, do web design, do marketing consulting, right? But after a period of time, you need to build a team around you. They need to hire people. And even though they're entrepreneurial and they're you generally really quirky, eccentric people. I have never met a boring agency owner. <laughs> not once, have you? No, nope, like not at not all. Don't exist. They're not, they're not square. They're mm. quite eclectic, you mm-hmm. know. But what they need is they kind of build a team of people around them. And usually around the eight to ten people mark, mm-hmm. they're outnumbered in their own business with a certain type of mindset that they're not used to. They have employees. And they are entrepreneurs. And the difference between entrepreneurs and employees is a lot. There's a lot of differences. Mm -hmm. Their mindset. So what what happens is they go, oh, why do the employees need to know when they can take holidays? (laughs) Why are they looking for career paths? Why are they leaving at five o'clock? Why are they not working? Why do they not care about me as much as I do? They should work until 10 p.m. every night like Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah, why, why are they asking me how to do something? Why don't they just go and hack it and figure it out themselves, right? right. So it, it's it's this balance of a relationship. And mm. I that's the first place I start is going, right, you need these people if you're going to have a successful business. Otherwise, you need to just be a marketing consultant working on your own, full mm. stop. But if you want an agency, you need a team. And the team needs somebody to manage them, mm. to measure them to give them what they need, to listen to their problems, to help them overcome challenges, to be there as a person supporting them in their role. Hmm. And nine times out of 10 agencies haven't figured that out. They're going, oh, but they, you know, I I can just manage them. And it's like, no, they need to know when they're getting their next promotion. What do they need to do to get it? What is their career plan? How are they studying? What's happening in the business? Where's the business going? So there's a whole relationship that needs to be sorted out. And that's the part that I just love the most Mm. is listening to the employees about what's working well, what isn't working well, what can we build on, what can we get rid of? And then sitting down with the owner and just being brutally honest with them and go, where are you going with all Mm. this? Like, what are you building? Mm. And they have never really sat down and asked themselves that question. They're really just interesting. And they just hack away at it. Going through the motions, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or sometimes running away from something because it's like, oh, I don't want to go back to a corporate job. Sure. That's not a reason to have an agency, you know. What now? You know, that that's where I start. Now, in, in your book, you say that there are six pillars required for a successful agency. People, yeah. strategy, growth, services, and sales and marketing with honesty. Why those six? Um, It's based on the fact that I have, yes, worked with over 500 agencies over the years. And then since when I was in HubSpot and then since I've been in this role, I've been a part of mergers and acquisitions. I was part of the Abbotley merger team where we got five now agencies all coming together to be the largest inbound agency Mm -hmm. in Europe. And if you break down the methodology that's in traction in EOS and mm-hmm. then I added in my methodology on top of that. Mm-hmm. If you can get those six pillars rock solid, then you can build on top of that. And then from from those six pillars, there are uh, points that I've identified of what you need to have inside of those, just simple processes and, and strategies 
And then on top of that, then you decide what business are you going to have? Are you going to, are you trying to stabilize the business? Like, do you like it the way it is? Or you just want it, you know, a little bit better? Are you setting it up to sell the business? Are mm. you trying to scale the business? Or are you ready to sail away? Because a lot of these agency owners are thinking about getting out. Mm. But if you don't have those six pillars strong and successful based on the ones that I've, I've been working with over the years, um, you can't get to where you need to, to, to have those four S's. <laughs> well, let's talk about the first pillar, uh, agency people. You say that the number one challenge for agencies is managing their people, as you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. Uh, you see a lot of tension between agencies and their employees because they haven't figured out how to work together. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you to explain that. And I also want you to talk about Jane. Who is Jane and what is the 12-step process? Oh, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so the first place I start with, um, and I'm just going through it right now is with an agency in the UK, is I send out a team assessment to it's like 20 questions on an anonymous form so that the team gets to answer the questions back. And we start to get a pulse check of where the team is at. And then I send the agency owner off to do an exercise. There's about 40 questions in where are they going with their business? What is it all about? And what we do is the first thing we do is together we get the agency owner to present their vision of the future, to tell them the, the team that they're building, that there's career plans and opportunities and promotions coming down the track. Mm -hmm. And then we present back the answers of the team. And the team generally wants things like processes, structure, procedures, yeah. things organized, a playbook, all how do are they going to communicate with each other? So the team just wants the things that an entrepreneur does not want. Hmm. And that's okay, but we have to give them that so that the entrepreneur can work with them. And the entrepreneur is going to have to learn, the agency owner is going to have to learn to maybe do things, fill in forms, you know, that they had not done before if they want to sign off expenses so that everyone knows how do I get expenses paid. Sure. It's simple things like that, that mm. once they're done, now you have something to build on. And then the whole team can go, oh, right, now I know the story of this agency owner. Okay, this is why he or she are so passionate about the business. I can see where they're going. I, I use this really funny analogy, which is building an agency today is like, it's like you're on a boat. Mm. But you're building a bigger boat and hiring more crew while you're sailing to a destination. Yeah, that sounds pretty challenging. Right? <laughs> so you're like, good. you're on a rowboat. Yeah. You're on a rowboat, but you're trying to build a catamaran. A bigger boat. But you're right. not going off dock. Like, you're not going dry dock on. Right, you're like, right. You have to do it in motion. Mm-hmm. And you have to get another crew on because oh, the crew God. for the rowboat, you need a bigger crew for okay. the catamaran. And you're going and you're sailing and you're moving and then there's storms and then it's really quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what it's like building an agency so you need a certain type of resilience and people and processes and procedures in sure. place. Yeah. Why, so so you say agencies should always be hiring why should agencies yeah, always be that, hiring yeah so i actually have a video all about this and this leads us nicely into the topic of jane i did a talk for a digital agency expo in new york a few weeks ago um i saw it great video yeah Thank you. Um, and that's where I talk about if you, a lot of agencies hire really panicky because they're like, oh, we got a client, we better bring in a new account manager, a new strategist. And, and they don't think about properly planning the next hire. It, it seems to be a bit of a knee jerk reaction. So the talk that I did, I, I created this fictional character called Jane. And Jane is like a rock star. Uh, marketing graduate she's been in a job she's in like a boring furniture job and everyone's oh, she works for a furniture company and she's in the marketing team and it's boring she doesn't she's not interested in it for her and mm -hmm. uh, everyone's older there's no social dynamic mm -hmm. she doesn't feel like she's part of something and she starts to look online so the rock stars that are out there are in jobs. They're just looking for something better. Mm. So the 12-step process that I have, and, and it's actually in our YouTube channel, you can share the links there. I'll, I'll just walk you quickly through it, is where an agency would actually have 
their story, the vision and values, which I just talked about earlier, mm-hmm. in the form of a video up on their website to go, mm-hmm. this is us, this is what we do, this is what we love to do, these are the clients we love to work with, this is the results that we get, this is the fun that we have team building. Mm-hmm. And you have that story up, you have it on your Instagram, you've got it on your LinkedIn, you've got it everywhere. So that when Jane is scooting around looking at opportunities like marketing coordinator in her local town, she comes across your agency and she sees this personality and this cause coming through, you know, because that's what agencies love to do. They love to make a difference. And you always have a page up there to say, we are always hiring. So your agency has, we are always hiring. We're always looking for these list of people please fill in the form below. And is that because, just on that, is that because you want to present the image of a growing agency or a growing business? You know, a growing business is always one that's taking on people. Um, So outward facing from a client, from a candidate attraction point of view, I guess that's appealing, but also from a client perspective, I'm sure that's also quite appealing. Well, you have to build a bench. It could take three months from when you meet an amazing person to get them in the door. So you actually have to have a bench Mm. of people. You have to have a constant stream. So on that page, there's a form that they fill in with their resume and you make it a a suggestion, but you, you should really make it mandatory, that they send you a video of why they would be a good fit to join your business. And that video can be anything. It could be creative. It could be one of their TikTok videos. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But if your team doesn't know how to use and be comfortable on video, Mm. you don't understand. It's just natural. Even if they're not client facing, it doesn't matter. And I guess the advantage of that, again, would be the fact that you get to see their personality. How creative will they be when they're creating this video? Um, So many of the intangibles that you can't get from seeing someone's CV and so many people lie and fabricate on the CV. I haven't done that, by the way. I've never done that myself. But uh, but other people have. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but you know, by getting someone to submit a video, you you uh, you see things that you wouldn't necessarily capture in other ways. You know, when you've booked an interview with someone and they're in a coffee shop, or it could be coming into your business, and the minute they walk in the door, you know that they're not yeah. going to be good. So <laughs> why good. would you book a time, yeah. your time, waste their time, having them come into the office when a video and a resume is going to give you? A good enough reason to see if they're if they're worth booking for if they're going to be a good fit for your business mm. because there's jobs for everyone it's not about you know it's there is a job for everyone but if you have your agency vision values what you're building and you're clear about it mm-hmm. you know the type of people that you need to come in so that's number three. And number four for that, I'll take you through the 12 steps, is you have a group. You can do a group exercise. This is something that I've, I've talked about as well. You could ask, maybe you get four candidates and you say to them, can you come in between five and seven and um, we're going to do interviews. And when they arrive in, you can say to them, I'd like you to do a presentation as a team about a marketing campaign for our agency. Now, the element of surprise here is incredible because okay. you are going to see people react in a way that they weren't prepared for. You're going to see, can they work together as a team? You're going to see who's going to be the team leader. You're right. going to see and who's going to be the presenter. And you're going to see the people who are going to wig out because they're like, I'm not prepared for True. This. How do they react in uncertainty, which is what the agency life is all about? <laughs> there's no two days at the same. Right. Do you know so if that's if that's something that they go, oh, I wasn't prepared for this. Well, there's your first red flag. Sure, interesting. How many days are the same in an agency? None, you know. Mm. So once you do that and you've got the values, you know, you have to look at their values. I always look for, like, you have the values of your own agency, you know, like honesty and expertise and integrity and all those things that you have to set straight. Remember, there's a theme here. The agency owner has to get their story straight, their value straight, their vision straight. they got to do that homework because we have to know what they're building. After you get that gut feeling about, yeah, the resume was good, the video was good, their values are aligned, you get the team to interview them. So you get the team to have a quick coffee with them. You could do a speed round. And then the team will talk about, yeah, they're a good culture fit because it's really important not to Mm. bring back eggs into the team culture. Mm. If you build slowly and steadily team that is flexible, coachable, have got good values um, and will learn, you can educate them together. You are going to have an amazing, amazing business. Hmm. One thing on that, actually, I do say to people, 
if you don't know, if you're not sure about your agency culture, I always say, look around at how tidy your office is. If you are coming in in the morning and there's unclean coffee cups or there isn't milk in the fridge or there, it, the, the office is not being taken care of, it is very likely you don't have a good culture fit because the team isn't looking after each other. Right. It's and one little indication. Really, really interesting. You you also say that a lot of agencies don't have a good um, online employer brand, as you were mentioning earlier yeah. uh, with with the video example. Potential candidates have no idea what it would be like to work with you, within your agency. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about was that the onboarding experience is also usually quite bad in that people don't know, you know, once they've been hired and they've accepted their job, they sometimes turn up on the, on the day and no one is expecting them. They, yeah. they have no desk. They don't know where they're sitting. What's the password for the Wi-Fi? Yeah. Uh, you know what, what they they just have this really terrible onboarding experience and all the enthusiast enthusiasm and motivation and excitement that, that, that they build up prior to uh, coming to this new agency has sort of been dashed in one uh, day or sort of a few hours because the agency owner hasn't taken the time to prepare for this new, new starter how should we be thinking about the onboarding experience yeah, that's right. So that's actually leading into number eight, which is the preparation of. Oh, of sorry, the I'm, yeah, I'm no, just going I'm, all over the place. No, no, no. This is we're we're absolutely perfect. So that that is where it is. The preparation of your your preparation and theirs is part of like pre onboarding and onboarding. See, so what you need is an onboarding calendar. What is the first six weeks going to look like? What online courses do they need to do? What certifications do they need to do? And these are things that you can make recordings of as well. You could record a video about how the office works, about how the clients go, walking through the playbook. There's so many online videos that you can actually create as part of the onboarding. Because a lot of agencies, they kind of go, oh, I don't have time to train someone. Mm -hmm. And that can stop them from hiring at the right time as well. So what you want to do is, like, if we go back to Jane, Jane is great. She's been in. She's had the team interview. She's a good fit. It's approved. She's accepted the job. But she goes back to her job and she has to give a month's notice. And then she wants to take two weeks holidays because she wants a break in between the old job and the new job. So she, you're not going to see her come in that door for six weeks. Now, as she's winding down in her old role, she's probably getting less and less responsibilities. So she's got a little time on her hands. Send her the onboarding calendar. Show her what certifications she needs to have done. She can be doing that in her free time in the evenings or she, if she could be sent on gardening leave for all you know that she's not allowed to work or she could have been taken off accounts in her in her own job and she's got free time and she wants to impress you. So use the time wisely give her she doesn't have to do it but give her the onboarding calendar give her the training calendar all of the courses should be online that you need her to do she might want to re refresh all her hubspot certifications hmm. and get as much done as she can so she could be absolutely ready to rock when she comes in the door hmm. and the week before she's due in just put a note in your diary have you got the laptop have you got a desk have you got a little gift for a bunch of flowers or some chocolates hmm. Can you make sure that the team is all in the office on the first day or mm -hmm. there's a welcome team meeting on that mm -hmm. day because you don't want it to be like a public holiday or mm -hmm. you don't want it to be like half the office is out and just get it in everyone's diary. Jane's arriving, you know, please be in. It's going to be her first day. Sure. She's had her onboarding calendar, um, but she's ready to go. And we've mm -hmm. been talking to her since. Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's nine and then I'll bring you through the last bit is you know having a good culture code which I go into a lot of detail about building the culture your team building events having the whole agency understand that if they are profitable if they are doing great work for their clients in a reasonable amount of time you are going to be profitable you're going to have money for team building events and you can create a great culture so the culture is about them working hard give them career paths and then what naturally happens is their friends and family see that they're really happy. Then hmm. so what's going on here? And you go, hey, why don't you come in and visit me? Why don't you come in and see the office? And now you've got a full circle of delighting your existing employees who then become referrals. And that's where you have a full recruitment strategy from start to finish. Hmm. 
You you also encourage agencies to get other employees in the room um, after interviewing a candidate and then ask the question, hell yes or no. Uh, <laughs> which is really, which is really interesting. It comes back to, um, I think that's Derek Sivers. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an amazing author and amazing guy. Uh, no, no. He, he has a really good um, approach to that. So, but is it always that black and white though, Clodagh? That's what it I wanted to ask to you. Really? To be. It's always that black and white? Chemistry. If, if their resume is good and they have the skills, but they might gap, they might have a gap in something that you don't need to train them. It is chemistry. Your The importance of your team is vital. I mean, I used this when I was working in HubSpot. Like, as every single new employee came in the door, they work really hard to make them sure that they're a cultural fit. Hmm. And there wasn't one person that came in the door of HubSpot that I used to think to myself, well, if the lift got stuck today and we were stuck in that lift for an hour, wouldn't run out of conversation. Sure. Right? Really this interesting. Someone you're going to work with through hell and high water. Things are going to go bad. They're always, something is always going to go wrong in an agency. Although that probably says more about you than the other person. Because I think you could, you're just an interesting person. And you can have an interesting <laughs> conversation with anyone. Uh, regardless <laughs> of who they are. You'll find something to talk You'll find about. something to talk about with them. Right. <laughs> I'll keep digging away. Thanks, Nathan. I keep digging away until I find something <laughs> for the chat. There must be yeah. something interesting about this person. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, the culture fit is so important you know if you've ever met someone and you're going or maybe a friend introduces you to a friend and they're like oh you're gonna love this friend they're great and then you meet them and you're like something's not clicking with mm. them you're like don't really know it's because your values aren't aligned mm. that's all it is and they're in an agency it has to be all in any of those mm, all the problems i've heard with agency owners start off with this conversation i had a bad feeling about X, that client, that employee, that deal, that's where they go. And that feeling is not it is not listening to your gut and not having your values aligned. Taking on a client that hadn't the values aligned wasn't a partnership, taking on an employee. That's all it is. Hmm. Really interesting. Now I probably know the answer to this question because you've mentioned about sort of recruiting an employee and then sort of getting them to become an evangelist so that they can recruit other people that they know. But how do we find top class people? Because agency businesses are made or, ba- or, or, or you know, they're, they're made or broken on the quality of their yeah. people, A class people. So we want to surround ourselves with amazing talent. How do we yeah. find great people? So by the first part is having, the, like that's where the agency owner needs to go and, and, and either take on that role themselves as being the brand ambassador and being the person, the front of the business, or getting someone who's out and about and doing it. Hmm. So having a video about this is my, you know, my name is Jack, this is my business, this is where I started, these hmm. are our clients, this is my team. Having videos and lots of social media presence about that. Right. A great woman, if you follow her, is Jackie Hermes. She's in um, Acility, Acility Marketing um, in the States. And you'll just see her out as a business owner talking about her business, right? So you do it online. You've got to do the videos. Then you've got to go to events. You've got to be maybe great place being a guest lecturer in university. But so, I can see why, sorry to interrupt you, Claudia, but I can see how that could be a challenge for people, agency owners that may be slightly more introverted and don't want to be sort of the public face of their, their business, you know, extroverts, yep. I'm sure that they'd be all over it. But what advice do you give to someone that's a little bit camera shy, doesn't want to be the face of the brand? How do well, they, how do they do? Yeah. So who is the brand ambassador in the business? You know, is it your salesperson? Is it mm. your market? Who's, who's been around? Somebody has to be right. the, the personality of the business. And, mm. and if it's, I very rarely have I met an agency owner who's shy. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> well, true. That's a good, that's a good point, actually. Racking my brain. Out, you know, but it's more, yeah, the, who is going to be the person? Because people today, there's so many jobs out there. People today want to feel like they belong to mm-hmm. something. So they're looking to for a cause. You know, they know they can go and work, but they want to be like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. Uh, and if you're not comfortable on video, just keep doing it until you are. Hmm. Really interesting. Claude, last few questions before we get into everyone's favorite questions towards the back end mm. of the interview. Um, 
Now, what's the best way to handle employees if an employee isn't necessarily working out? So especially if those people are quite senior people in the business and they are, you know, they they command a high wage or a lot of responsibility, they've got strong client relationships and the agency depends on them a lot. What's the best way of handling that situation if the employee isn't working out? So generally, the first place you have to start is that everyone has to have a clear role and responsibilities. Like the person, people in your business, a lot of agencies I see put people in their business and they have this kind of loyalty and they they go, oh, Tom has evolved into that role. We, he kind of does a bit of this and a bit of that and a right. bit of that. So that's where it can get really hard. Sure. For some, because people need to know I come into work and I'm responsible for these right. three core things. Sure. With three core numbers I do 10 things but fundamentally I have to if you're an account manager keep my customers happy mm-hmm. to have my utilization rate has to be good mm-hmm. you know, like they have they know their numbers they know what they're working towards and that goes back to traction and EOS and having a scorecard and a scorecard so once they know that and then every that's where a team leader is needed to have a weekly conversation with them about how's your week going do you need a hand with anything? How's your training going? What are you working towards? They have to have their career paths laid out. So they ne- they need to know if they continue to do the job really well and they want to be a manager of people, then they need to do all these things and do this training and keep working hard and get these things and it'll be reviewed on a yearly basis or six monthly basis. Hmm. If they want to be an agency individual contributor, a specialist, they don't want to manage people, they're basically the two roles that are only really available in an agency until it gets much bigger and then there's office manager or HR or finance or whatever. So they're either going to manage people or be an individual contributor and a specialist. And they need a plan. They need to go, okay, well, what do you want to do? I want to be an individual contributor. I want to be the best SEO specialist in this agency. Great. Here's all the courses you need to do over the next year. Hmm. Do your job well. Do your courses well. Get that done. And then we'll sit down and talk about a title change and more money. And that's how you run. That's what employees need. You see, it's everything that an entrepreneur agency owner doesn't need. Hmm. (laughs) So they just want that plan. And then if every single week... If the scorecard isn't working, Mm -hmm. if they're not hitting their numbers, you have to look at it every week and then you just give the, you know, you have to give them a warning and go, look, it's been a month now. Mm. Is something wrong? Do you need time off? What's changed? It could be that they're not interested in the job anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, then you've got to help them find something that they need that's going to make them happy. So it is just weekly communication, being so clear on what they're meant to be doing. Sure. meant to be doing it and also just having a conversation about their private life as people get older they change mm-hmm. and their priorities change and um, maybe there's something going on at home or with mm-hmm. their family mm-hmm. maybe they need to work from home one day a week it's not always money it might just be can I work from home because I need to do some school ones on that day it doesn't matter so having a conversation and figuring it out mm. Just on that working from home piece, how do your processes apply to a remote workforce? Quite easily with everyone being on Zoom, you know, um, that everyone knows who's going to be available at a certain time on Zoom, on Slack. You have regular meetings. Everyone knows what they're doing. Um, trying to include people in some team activities like lunch and learns, you know, if you're doing some team bonding mm-hmm. like um, another thing I always recommend is just making sure that the team gets to decorate the office and feel a part of it. Hmm. And with that decoration, you could also extend out something like a mascot or a funny picture or a logo of the business in a frame and send that out to the remote team so that their home office has a piece of the mothership office in their home office. Um, it could be a plant, it could be anything. So in that way, when everyone's on a Zoom call and they all have their screens on and video on, everyone kind of sees that these mini offices are right. on. Right, interlinked. And right. Low, yeah, things like that. A united video brand. On, mm. Yeah, video on and regular update meetings where people have the video. It, it, it really helps with remote teams as well. Really interesting. There was a question in... Um, 
at that conference that you that you spoke at in America, Digital Agency Expo, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and one of the questions from a guy in the audience, um, I don't remember his name, but I'm going to steal the question and firing it at you because it was a really good one. He asked, um, some agencies find that when they interview new candidates, existing candidates start to get a little bit insecure. So the agency needs n- new people. Yeah. Uh, but obviously you want to keep your existing people happy. How do we do that? How do we balance the two? Yeah, that's that's about having the agency having a very clear vision of we're building a catamaran, guys. We need more people on the team, that there's room on the crew, that the existing right. employees know. What the plan is, right. The plan is uh, we need more people in because sure. I want to be a manager of people and I, as an existing employee, need to have people in to manage. Sure. So as long as the agency owner sits down, does the deep, dark work of what am I building here? What does it look like? What type of team do I need? And shares that. Then it's up to that employee to go, I want to be a part of that. Yeah, mm. I want to build that with you. Or sometimes employees go, do you know what? I don't want that. I want a small business. I'm going to go. Hmm. Absolutely fascinating. Clodagh, let's get into everyone's favorite questions. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests, and I'm excited Hi. to ask, ask you some of them as well. Um, tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from the experience. So the, the big fail that I've kind of gone through last, was it this year, is um, the agency in Dublin um, just didn't work out, um, that I, was, I, I had to close it down. And the reason I also lost a 20 year friendship as well because the mm. business partner I had. Um, and what I learned there was just to it really, I've gone on a massive journey to learn how to communicate with men better. Mm. Um, all of our lives, women have been um, kind of, we interact with men and we presume that they're just hairy women and, <laughs> and they're not. And they're not. Okay. They're, and sometimes they don't tell the truth to us yeah. because they don't want to let us down. Right. And it's we call them liars, and that's not true. It's just right. that we know how to communicate. So I had a big loss and a big loss of a friendship, and maybe someday that will recover. But I really took things at surface value. I didn't um, – I, I thought that if he was struggling that he would tell me, and he couldn't because he was afraid of letting me down mm. and because of friendship. And it's led me on this massive journey about how to understand men better and understand communication with men better. Um, and the upside of that is I feel it has improved mm. my listening and understanding. I'm still learning. Mm. And to, yeah, get on better with, with men and not treat them like us. <laughs> so fundamentally, how do men and women differ in the way that they communicate? Um, the kind of the big one is, and <laughs> uh, I, I, there's many different ways, but the simplest one I've learned is that we, as women, when we talk, we can interrupt each other. So if I was talking to another woman, I would ask her a question, and as she's finishing answering that, I'll, I'll throw another question in. Okay. But if you do that with men, they don't actually. It's pretty annoying. Pre- thank you. Yes, they don't appreciate it. So. It's um, and you have to. We we have all of our answers top of our heads, top of our minds. Mm. We're very there. Whereas men need to go and dig out the answers. Mm. So the pause is not an invitation for us to talk. The pause. <laughs> Interesting. And Interesting. so yes, if you can just let a man talk and let him talk and let him pause and stop interrupting, you will eventually get to a point where he will turn around and finish the story with and that's it Mm. and this time I've actually heard numerous men in the last year finish a story and I know it's finished because they've said and that's the end and that's the end (laughs) great (laughs) the best part of what you said that I'm going to take away is let the man talk (laughs) I love that part a pause is not an invitation a pause Mm. is him going to get more of that information. He has to go mm. deeper than mm. we do. And mm. women are shocking for interrupting. So. Tell us about some of your favourite books. What do you read for personal professional development, fiction, non-fiction, whatever? 
Yeah, so understanding men and the keys of the kingdom and uh, the Queen's Code, it's all books by Alison Armstrong are my kind of personal development fun books. So they were actually recommended by an, an agency couple yeah. that I met in London a few that last year and um, found that extremely interesting. And then the ones that I'm really drawn to as well is Anise Kavanagh has written two books, Contagious Culture. Anise and- Kavanagh. Yeah, and Contagious You. And that's all about the importance of managing your health, your energy, your, uh, you know, your sleep, what goes in to your system and how to travel, you know, how to how to travel so that you can be an effective leader and so that you can have really good presence when you are on stage or in an agency or working with people or just meeting people in general. Mm. And her new book, Contagious You, just came out last week, actually. So, um, yeah, those those are really Great. kind of, you can read them like over and over again. I read another one as well, Peak Perform. Well, I listen to a lot of books. Yes. Yeah. So I'm aware of that. Um, Peak Performance. Yeah. But by, by who? And Steve. By who? Another, um, Brad and Steve. Brad They're and Steve. joint written. I can get you the links for it. Yeah. Um, but those, yeah, I, I tend to, I'm not very good at fiction. Is that shocking? <laughs> I, I'm not either. I'm really yeah, not. But I mean, everyone's telling me to. I, I need to read more fiction because apparently it helps when you do read fiction, it helps you understand business con, um, books yeah. better, apparently. Yeah. I, but yeah. I, I, just tell me, just get to the point. Like, I can't I wait. <laughs> just yeah, like, the story. Get it's to the point. Day, I find fiction books. Sorry? I find them holiday things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, definitely when I have like lots of time, but I don't even know what a holiday is anymore. <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard of one. Um, really interesting. So Alison Armstrong and, and Alice Kavanagh. That's right, yeah. Added to my list. Um, what's the most interesting thing that people don't know about your background? Um, well, I, a few, I think some people, if they follow me on Instagram, know that I'm a powerlifter and I actually have represented my country Amazing. in World Powerlifting Championships. That I have a good record, strict curl world record and a bench press national record. That is phenomenal. phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of uh, sort of secret stuff. And then uh, more, more and more, if I can get the time, I do love to create mosaic art, painting, yeah. crafts. I love making things with my hands as well. Huh. That led me on to my next question. What do you do for fun when you're not growing agencies? Is that <laughs> the answer? Or yeah, that is else would be. I make things as much as possible. Yeah. I just, I'm just making, yeah, you know, just making crafts and painting or just doing things around the house. I like to put it Yeah, I like, I like that. I like to, I like the feeling of ma- making something and standing back and looking at it and going, I Look made what that. I made. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a sense yeah. of that got done. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Every five year old knows exactly what that feeling is as well, mm-hmm. and, and and we never lose that as adults as well. We always want to show people what we've done. Like, look what I made. Uh, it's amazing. Amazon Prime Video or Netflix? Oh, um, neither. YouTube. <laughs> mm, YouTube. Okay. I've been just like watching lots of different things on YouTube. Hmm. What's what's good that you've seen recently? Oh, I got into a load of Brexit stuff, but I think I'm getting over that mm. now. Um, I do like documentaries. Because I lived in Australia for such a long time, I tend to pick up on what's going on down there. I'm sort of more documentaries, um, but I do like a little British drama. Okay. Now. Yeah. Okay, okay. Anything notable that you want to add or mention that's been really good? Um, I kind of liked, what have I seen recently that I was like, very intrigued by I, li- I like things like the uh, there's one come up called the accident mm-hmm. um and just those uk okay. dramas i get drawn to them every now and again fantastic so a millennial or a young person asks you for advice to start an agency or to get their career started in an agency what advice do you give them I would just say go and do the research on the owner and their what their vision is and ask them to go and have a coffee with them and ask them to go if you can go and work at their office for an afternoon and sit and just feel it. You've got to feel the vibe in the place. Um, I, I think go agency owners are really open people. They are really um, sociable. And if you've asked 
to, you know, could you come and sit in their hot desk or like just come and spend some time with their team? Um, but send them a video and your resume and tell them why. I think that's where you start. Go shopping around and take your time and listen to your gut. Is this somewhere that you can see a future? Have they got career plans? Have they got a vision? Do you like the team? And just get on and just get in there and go and do it. Sounds like great advice. And my final question, Cloda, what do you know about growing an agency today that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career? Attraction. It just that mm. book alone it would have changed uh, so many things. Great and <laughs> I wouldn't have cried so many things. <laughs> <laughs> great answer. Cloda, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much, Nathan. Absolute pleasure. And looking forward to having you on my podcast. Oh, scary. Oh, scary. We've yeah. been speaking with Cloda Higgins. She is an agency consultant, speaker, author, and coach at Grow It Group. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to iTunes where you can listen to 39 such conversations we've had this year with world-class sales and marketing leaders from around the world. Thank you for all your feedback and suggestions on LinkedIn. Write to me at Nathan at agencydealmasters.com. Please head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Follow me on Twitter at Nathan Anibaba. We would be unable to do this show without our very own Deal Masters. Ahmed Ahmed is our editor. Genevieve Megeki is our booker slash project manager. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Deal Masters.